life insurance is the basic thing we must do to protect ourselves. A lot of my colleagues will say they don't need life insurance. If you reframe life insurance and how you see it, it could be an investment tool. How's my financial health, Doc? Welcome to the Financial Literacy Podcast for healthcare professionals, where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to How's My Financial Health Doc podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about term life insurance. Term insurance is the simplest form of life insurance that exists on the market. And term insurance is probably the easiest to understand, as most people would understand term life insurance. But there are lots of other nuances that we will look at today. Helping me dissect this uh, topic is my good friend, Terry Pitts. Welcome back to the show, Terry. How are you doing today? Good morning, Vu. Uh, thanks for uh, having me in again. I'm doing very well, and I'm excited to cover off this specific subject. I think it's a very important one, and at times can be vastly underrated, but in my opinion, one of the most important. Thank you for uh, doing this for us, Terry. So we're going to jump right in into the topic itself. So I think we need to understand why we need life insurance, because it's not something that most people think about um, when they think about finances. But as mentioned many times in earlier podcasts, life insurance is the basic thing we must do to protect ourselves in the first order of operation and also represented in the financial pyramid. So a lot of my colleagues will say, well, why do I need life insurance? I'm sure you get the same thing from your clients as well. So give me your sense and your perspective on why people need life insurance. Well, Vu, it's a good question. And in my opinion, the way I look at it, we all have something worth protecting. Whether it's our children, our parents, or our house, I believe we all need life insurance. I absolutely agree with you, Terry. Um, I think life insurance is a must to protect ourselves. Now, you understand um, that, you know, a lot of people don't want to buy life insurance or don't even want to hear about life insurance because they feel that advisors are here to sell them something. Um, and so it's something that they are sold and not bought. And that's a very common argument that I get from my colleagues. And in many cultures, uh, especially in Asian cultures, uh, like like the one I'm in, I'm, I'm Chinese, uh, for the longest time, you can't talk to people and you cannot talk to families about life insurance. Because the moment you approach them with life insurance, it's like you telling them they're going to die. Uh, and so a lot of people are resistant to learning about life insurance and getting life insurance. But I absolutely agree with you that it is a must. And, and I hear what you're saying there, Vu. And I, I understand it, and I, I, I hear and see uh, the stigma, uh, even the cultural stigmas. And uh, I, so I, I kind of get where people are coming from. But in my opinion, life insurance is just a smart and savvy way to allocate funds. 
you know, Terry, um, I now see life insurance uh, as a uh, financial vehicle and not solely as life insurance. If we look at it from a mathematical perspective and also from an investment perspective, the rate of return from a life insurance is humongous. And it's something that no one can get from investing in the market or investing in real estate. Can you give me an idea of, let's say, a 35-year-old male who just uh, starting his practice and just getting married and want to purchase a term life insurance for a million dollars? How much would that premium be, uh, assuming that he has no medical history and has a Class A rating? How much would the premium be per year? So for that 35-year-old male, non-smoker and in good health, million dollars in life insurance coverage over a 10-year term would be $39.60 monthly or $440 annually. And that would be a set premium for 10 years. Okay, so thank you. Assuming that this healthy 35-year-old male uh, lives to 40 and unfortunately has a heart attack at the age of 40, uh, then he would have paid close to $2,200 for the policy for five years. And at time of death, his estate will get $1 million in death benefit tax-free. Unfortunately, uh, he has to die for the estate to benefit from that. But let me just add that just from a mathematical perspective and investment perspective, that is a return of 454 times. Let me repeat, 454 times, which means 45,400%. No other investment on this earth will give you those type of return. I understand this is life insurance, but if we frame it in another way, we could look at life insurance from an investment perspective. And so we can look at it from different perspective and still see that life insurance is a very good financial vehicle. Plus, it builds the foundation for protection and safety. As a healthcare professional, I know that death is 100%. There's actually not even 99.1%. So if I know the certainty of the event, why wouldn't I capitalize on it? It's like knowing that I'm going to win the lottery of 67 million, let's say the super Powerball in the US, and I know that I'm going to win 100%. Why would I not buy a lottery ticket? This is the exact same thing. I know that death is 100%. So why wouldn't I buy an agreement that 100% foretells that outcome and get that security, even if that security is for my estate and not for myself? This being said, term insurance is just one type of life insurance. There are other type of life insurance where I can even benefit during my lifetime and not just for my estate. We will talk about those in a future podcast. But 
The reason I'm mentioning this is just to say that life insurance, whether it's term or whole life insurance, has a purpose to serve for our estate during our lifetime. But if I frame it in a different way, it is an investment vehicle as well. Those are all very good and excellent points, Vu. And one thing I wanted to reinforce, which you did say, is that these, this benefit and proceeds are all tax-free. When you name a beneficiary on the policy, the proceeds go to those, that beneficiary or your state 100% tax-free. Absolutely. You know that death and taxes are a constant. So at least with this policy, we can beat one of them, right? So let me just bring this further down the road. If this gentleman uh, purchased the life insurance at the age of 35, and you mention a term 10, so let's assume that he lives until the ninth year and dies before the, the maturity of the contract at the age of 44, 45, then he would have paid $4,400, but his estate would have still received $1 million in death benefit. And that translates to 227 times the return. It is clear for me that life insurance is a must, but not everybody view it the same way. Terry, when you meet your clients and dialogue, um, what are the common reasons why you think your clients may not need life insurance? I'm sure that also exists. What are the most common reasons? Well, what I believe is we all have something worth protecting. However, there are times where I meet that student fresh out of school and they may have, uh, perhaps their parents are financially independent. There may not be a requirement for life insurance for that individual. And in that situation, I would recommend, probably recommend looking at disability and or critical illness insurance before they go into life insurance. They're young, they're vibrant, they're coming out of school, uh, they've got their whole future ahead of them, and they don't have those dependents that require a benefit if they were to die. However, we talked about this in the past, those living benefits, disability insurance and critical illness insurance are very important to those individuals. So that's an area where I might defer the life insurance for the time being. I understand your perspective on that, and I agree. Uh, this is a scenario where they do not need uh, term insurance. But I would argue that they would need a different type of insurance. You mentioned disability insurance, critical illness, and we will address this in future podcasts of whole life insurance. This being said, I agree that I'm assuming your scenario here is a young person, not married and no children. And life insurance is maybe not the first thing that I would also jump to. Okay, so now let's talk about the definition of term life insurance. The word term is important here. And what does it really mean, Terry? Term 
term life insurance provides low cost life insurance protection for a set time. It could be 10, 20, 30, or even to age 100. So what happens is the payments stay the same over your set term. And depending on your policy, you can renew it. You can renew your policy, which is the term we call renewable or convert, which is a term we call convertible. And you can convert it to permanent insurance. Or if you decide, you can just end your coverage. So what you're saying is if I purchase a term 10 insurance, at the end of the 10th year, I can renew for another 10 or I can renew for another 20 year term. And during the time of my policy at any time, I can convert a term insurance into a permanent life insurance, which are either universal life or participating life with cash value. So that's what convertible mean. Is that correct, Terry? That's correct. Now, if you die, the amount of money you're covered for goes to who you choose. Your spouse, kids, parents, a friend, or even a cause that you're passionate about. The money is tax-free for the person or charity of your choice. At that point, your loved ones can then use the money to pay bills, the mortgage, pay for kids' education, or if you're a business owner, keep your business running. That is a perfect explanation. So now let's go into um, the meat of the matter. If um, I'm your client and I come to you and say, I would like to purchase uh, term insurance because that's what I think I need. How do you assess and calculate how much I need? Or from my perspective, how much should I buy? So when I look at that, I'm going to be looking at two things. What term is best for you and the amount? So let's talk about the term first. The length you choose depends on your personal situation and your stage of life. We consider your age, income, debts, and family structure. Some things you want to think about are, do you have a mortgage or kids? Are you worried about providing for your family should you die? How much and what kind of debt are you carrying? And how soon will you retire? And how much can you afford to spend on monthly insurance payments? Final but very important point. Okay, so next question is how do you determine the amount then? So I've read many books that talked about, you know, rule of thumbs and guesstimations. So one of them that I've read is called lifetime economic value. And what is that defined as your annual salary multiplied by the amount of years that I would like to work and then factored in uh, the inflation? And that gives you a rough number of what you should start with. Most of my colleagues will purchase life insurance that is worth maybe one million or two million. And I'm not sure what they use to come to that conclusion. In my readings, I came across this analogy. So if Paul was driving his car and was hit by a another car, uh, let's say a drunk driver. The family will obviously have a devastating loss. 
And in that lawsuit against the drunk driver, the lawyers would recommend the payment to be similar to what we call lifetime economic value, which means the potential income that Paul could have made throughout his lifetime. And this, of course, is to make sure that the amount is sufficient to cover the mortgage, the line of credit, and the education for the kids. That makes sense to me. So now let's just assume that Paul did not die from a car accident from a drunk driver, but Paul passed away from a natural cause. Let's just call it a heart attack. Whether Paul dies from a car accident or from a heart attack, the family still has lost the potential lifetime income that Paul would have driven into the family. So it makes sense that to estimate the amount needed that we would use lifetime economic value. Obviously, this is just a start and a rough guesstimate. As an advisor, Terry, you would use other tools as well. Yes, exactly. So from there, I would take that lifetime economic value, or we call it income replacement, and I would add that to any outstanding debt, which would include the mortgage, any open lines of credit. I'm also going to take a look at education funding for the children, and I'm going to add in an emergency fund. What we'll do is we'll pool all that together as the amount that should be insured for, and then we're going to minus any assets that are liquid and expendable to be used on the death of one of the persons we're insuring. I understand the needs analysis that advisors need to do, but um, typically I don't see my colleagues or people purchasing those amounts. Typically they would, you know, stop at one or two million, as I mentioned earlier. So in your practice, what do you see commonly? And also, uh, what is the minimum amount that we can purchase in term insurance? And what is the maximum as well? So generally speaking, in my practice, what I'm seeing most people looking at in terms of coverage is about one to two million. Now, some carriers will go down as low as $5,000 in coverage. And I've seen some that go as high as 10, 10 million. And usually if you're going to go over 10 million, you're likely going to have to have a reinsurance company come and take a look at your, your situation. But when it comes down to what I see on average, it really comes down to, again, the factors like income replacement, debt, mortgage, kids, and eventually really what kind of term and how much they want to spend on a monthly basis. You are right. Uh, most people, will purchase uh, life insurance with the amount uh, that they feel comfortable with the premium. It has obviously everything to do with uh, monthly cash flow. So if we can't afford higher premium every month, then most people will not go for the higher amount of coverage. That totally makes sense. Now that uh, we talked about the amount, let's talk a little bit about uh, the underwriting. When we purchase life insurance, 
the carriers will expect a history, physical, blood work, and urine testing. And so that's the underwriting to uh, set up the policy. When you mention renewable and convertible, do these have to happen all over again, Terry? So it's a good question. So the nice thing about term life insurance is it helps you keep your options open. It gives you the flexibility to extend your coverage or convert to a permanent insurance policy. So you can renew or modify your existing coverage as your life changes. Since you're already insured, you won't have to requalify or undergo any further medical testing unless you're asking for more coverage or adding benefits and options. On that note, I'd also like to add that there have been changes in the initial underwriting due to COVID-19. Normally, a nurse would come to the home and would conduct a paramedic interview. At the same time, he or she would take blood, urine, do a blood pressure reading, and go over a questionnaire. As you can imagine, during the coronavirus shutdown, that isn't as straightforward anymore. So due to that, carriers are allowing the waiver of fluids, like blood and urine, until further notice, for amounts and coverages up to $2 million. So as with all types of uh, insurances, there are options, like we have options on our car. Can you even imagine uh, option on the air conditioning uh, back in the 60s or 70s? I can't even imagine having uh, a car without air conditioning nowadays. But anyways, I digress. So coming back to options on life insurances, what are the most common uh, options or riders for term insurances? Great question. So common riders that I see are the ability to add an accidental death benefit to your coverage. There's also the option to add a disability waiver, a premium, meaning if you were to become disabled, that you would be able to waive the premium until you were able to get back to work. You also have the option to add a child term life insurance rider to any term life insurance policy. You mentioned the disability waiver of premium. And um, in your scenario, the person came back to work. What if the uh, disability is permanent? How would that kick in? So if you're permanently disabled, as long as you are enabled to return to work, the waiver of premium will be in effect. Great, that clarifies the uh, question. You also mentioned child term rider. Uh, what does that mean, Terry? Child term rider allows you to add a child or your children to the insurance policy up to $25,000 per child up to 30 years. Okay, finally, uh, let's talk about pricing. So I'm aware that term insurances are the least expensive of all the life insurances. But I would like to have an idea. So 
Terry, throw me some numbers and some examples of what it could look like. So let's take a look at uh, a female, 35-year-old, non-smoker. You have a good health history. If we look at a term 10 for that uh, individual, you're looking at about $30.60 on a monthly basis. Annually, that would work out to about $340. And keep in mind, if you pay annually, you can likely save yourself 8% or more. Now, if we look at a 20-year term for that same person, on a monthly basis, you'll be looking at $45.90, or annually, you're looking at about $510. And a term 30, on a monthly basis, you're looking at $85.50, or an annual premium of $950. All of those premiums I talked about, whether it's 10-year term, 20-year term, or 30, are set and locked in for the life of that term. So those are the base rates, but obviously during the underwriting, the revelation of past medical history, family history, smoking history, alcohol, drug history, uh, will change those numbers. That, that's correct, Drew. What I'd like to add that companies are getting more progressive, I'd say, or competitive in terms of their underwriting. And based on, they're usually based on the medicals, you could see uh, ratings of 100 or 200%, meaning like a 100% rating would mean that the premium has now been increased by 100%. So a $35 premium would turn into $70. But as companies get more prog uh, progressive or competitive, they're now looking at uh, even conditions that might have been declined in the past as standard. For example, I recently closed a case with a client with a benign prostate condition. That case closed standard, which not too long ago I was working with a 55-year-old who simply had elevated PSA. That case was declined. So as you can see, companies are becoming more progressive when it comes to medical history. They're really going out and they're looking for people to take on as clients. I see. I think over time, insurance companies are realizing that um, they need to cover more. So this was a deep dive on term life insurance. But this is just one of the many products of life insurance. In my personal opinion, I believe that life insurance is a must. Whether you purchase term, universal life, or participating life, which we called permanent life, life insurance is a good vehicle to offer that financial protection and safety. And in my mind, regardless of which insurance you decide to purchase it is essential term life insurance has its place and permanent life insurance also has its place and all this is dependent on your life cycle your professional cycle your marital status or whether you have kids or not 
So these type of products have its place depending on where you are. There is no one size fits all. For me, the reason why I say life insurance is a must is because I no longer look at life insurance as just life insurance. For me, I have reframed it and see life insurance as another financial or savings vehicle. Some like to invest in stocks, bonds, and in the market. Others want to be more conservative and place their money in savings. For example, GICs and treasury bonds or savings bonds. I myself put it in insurance products the same way one would put in a investment product or savings product. Having reframed how insurance product are being used definitely allows you to see how life insurances could be used in a very different way. Also, depending on your strategies, different insurance products could be used in different ways other than for their underlying insurance purpose. Thank you very much, Terry, for uh, coming on with us today and answering all these questions about term life and having a deep dive on this topic. It's been a pleasure again, Vu. Uh, thanks again for inviting me, and I look forward to future podcasts covering off other important subjects. So this is the end of this uh, podcast, and thank you very much for everyone for joining us. And I hope that this primer on term life insurance has been uh, useful. How is My Financial Health Doc podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice.